Hello, everyone, and welcome to Help Me Buy Property Podcast. This is episode number five. And with a round of applause, we have someone who is near and dear to my heart. We've been talking a lot in the past recently. And so this is Cheryl Leong. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Cheryl. Hey, Moss. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really, really excited. I am doing wonderful. And it is Friday here today. It is very cold. Cold Melbourne, I believe cold Sydney as well. And so we haven't seen the summer that is supposed to come in, right? That's why I am relocating to this to the sunshine state. <laughs> um, I am I'm soon to be a statistic of all the southerners that have moved up and exited the cold and miserable weather to move up to where it's sunny and lovely. Definitely. And so that's, we'll hear more about that, your transition out of Sydney and to Sunshine State. And so let's get right into this. So I'll talk about a bit about success. So I strongly believe that there is no elevator to success. Okay. And so, or if there is an elevator to success, it's always out of order. And so you need to stairs, you need to use the stairs. To basically take one step at a time. And so talk to us about who the real Cheryl Leong is not the one that runs Growth Hub right now. Talk to me a bit about your life story. Where did you start? Where did this all happen? How did this all happen? How did this person happen? Such a big question. I do love sharing it because it really is a story and a journey of self-discovery, of growth, of just growing into the person that I've always wanted to be and into the person that I never knew was possible. I was born in Malaysia. So this is this is the life story. I was born in Malaysia. We moved to Singapore when I was about four. My early memories was of being in kindergarten in Singapore. And it was funny because my parents, as much as my parents and my family are Chinese, we didn't speak Mandarin. Wow. And then in kindy, I, I used to get <laughs> I used to get in trouble because I was known as the kid that didn't speak Mandarin. So wow. I spoke English. But so I found that a lot of just being accepted I guess to a certain extent was me often I remember enjoying being on stage and so you know when you're a little kindy you've got you've got kids and they go for their little exhibitions that was the time that I could be myself to a certain extent and maybe not so much be myself I could be someone else actually I remember enjoying being on stage and acting I think the real me was just afraid to be myself whereas if I was in acting mode I could be someone else that I thought I couldn't be. Does that make sense? Yes, it's like yes, the of whole, course, yeah. It, almost like fake it, fake it till you make it type thing. Obviously, I didn't yes. think of that. Improvising, at, right? Yeah, yeah, improvising. Yeah, I yes, didn't, I didn't yeah. think so, of it at the time. Definitely. And so I think a lot of people improvise and I think improvising is definitely a strong pursuit. But how did the diamond came out of the coal? <laughs> what was the pressure? There's always been this sort of burning desire in me, Moss, to bring people together to almost be like, I always want to save. I always felt like I was, I needed to save people for some reason to be the, what was I going to say, the freedom fighter of some sort. I think, remember someone asking me when I was younger what I want to be when I grew up. I I want to be a peacekeeper. And I didn't know what that really meant, but the word peace was cool. And little did I know the images of peacekeepers getting sort of, you know, decimated was not as glamorous as I thought. I've always had this thing of bringing people (laughs) together and creating things. I had a lot of self-doubt when I was younger, particularly in my teenage years. This real sense of a lack of, real, real huge lack of self-confidence. I couldn't even speak 
publicly. I couldn't even attend Toastmasters because wow. I wanted to That's learn awesome. how to speak openly and I couldn't because I was too afraid to even attend Toastmasters. <laughs> wow. And so do you know what was driving that? What was driving that nervousness? It had to do with just growing up being and just culturally you weren't really encouraged to speak. I think it's a cultural thing. You sort of quashed your child. You stay there, don't ask yes. questions. You get told what to do. You get, I'll yeah. tell you how to do things. So coming to Australia, the big cultural change for me was really that I had to think for myself. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I had to think for myself, but I had to think more than just what was being thrown at me or given to me. So I was really challenged to step up. For so many years, at, you know, at school, you've been told how to do things. You've been told how to dress. You've been told that your nails can't be this long or your skirt needs to be whatever. And this is at school and at home. Not that it was oppressive, but there is a level of control. You that every part of my life was controlled to a certain extent. And then coming oh. to Australia, it was just like, oh my goodness, people are asking the teacher questions. What wow. is this? <laughs> so that was the part which I needed to grow into. But I knew, I always knew there was this part of me that wanted something more and I want to make a bigger impact. And I want to be in business as well because I saw my dad in business and he struggled a bit, you know, I mean, just like any business owner, the challenges and everything yeah. else, but very old yeah. school business where there was no delegation or anything. He had a secretary that was about it, but then he did everything. He traveled everywhere. But I knew that I wanted to create something. And what year are we talking about when this transition happened? So you moving to Australia, what age are we talking about? I mean, I moved to Australia when I was um, in year eight and okay. it was hard. Like it was hard for us because we, uh, we didn't really have any idea we were moving to Australia <laughs> to start off with yeah. myself and my yeah. brother. So there was a whole lot yeah. of emotional stuff that we had to deal with. I look back at my high school years and even my early uni years was so much about that lack of confidence and that lack of self-belief in everything that I was doing. And I think really the trigger point for me turning all that, because I always had all these ideas. I love business ideas. I love creating things. And my friends have always said, okay, what I, what are you doing now? Or what idea are you working on now? And to a certain extent, sometimes they make jokes about it because they'd be like, ha ha ha, you know, Cheryl's, Cheryl's doing something else. It used to get to me because I'm like, what does that mean? Is it the bad thing? But I couldn't yeah. help myself. I really want to get into different things. The real turning point was I've been in corporate. You know, I, I came out of uni. I actually started a window cleaning business. <laughs> I did business. A in window Norway, cleaning business, window did you cleaning, say? Window cleaning business. Amazing. Wow. What year are we talking about? I think I was about 22, 23, maybe about 23, 24. Wow. Um, wow. I came out of uni. I'd done other things like I'd helped my parents in their wholesaling business. I did network marketing, that sort of thing. But the window cleaning business, and I tell you why window cleaning, because oh. Queensland at the time, I was living in Brisbane, Queensland at the time was going through a property boom. And I yeah. was like, how do I get to understand the property industry? And for some reason, window cleaning was the thing that came came up. We actually purchased, yes. my partner my partner and I at the time purchased a small window cleaning company. And what they were doing at the time was they specialized in first cleans. So first cleans are the cleans that the window cleaners do when they when we complete a property. It's specialized yes. type of yep. cleaning. And so yep. in my mind, very naive sort of mind, I'm like, property, property has windows, we clean the windows. Yep. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and so, Definitely. but what the cool thing that came out of that was I got to see all these different developments that were happening. Yeah. And I remember we did a boarding house as well. And either way, that business was sort of my first foray into building my first first business. Sure. I eventually got the name card for it still somewhere. Um, the first is it still going? It. Is the business still no, going? No, 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 no. The, the business is, is, is not, not going anymore. I, I ended up moving to Sydney. I sold, uh, sold it to sure. my partner at the time because I was like, I'm not physically the right type of window cleaner. Yes. I had to... Probably need I had letters to pretty much every day, isn't it? I, I was carrying a ladder everywhere. I was really carrying a ladder <laughs> everywhere. And I went, met this Cheryl, is a, like window cleaning. Yeah. What? what? You can't get the tall windows. No, but I was very good. Like I know the strokes for window cleaning now. And anytime I see wow. someone cleaning windows, I'm like, no, it was really it like I realized. Though, I must say, <laughs> I must say and, it is fascinating. So, yeah. Fascinating in what, in what sense? That it was window cleaning? Well, fascinating in a sense was that it? It, is, it is an art, right? I mean, every time I see a window cleaner, I have a good friend of mine who does run a cleaning business. And uh, it, it, it is fascinating the way they, the strokes move and, you know, the way they quickly do it. I, I would probably take hours and hours. I take bloody two hours to clean up the window for my own, you know, car. And so yeah. uh, it's still Yeah, there is an art. And I used to have the belt for it and I had my little squidgy thing and I, you uh-huh. had to have a proper window cleaner squidgy. Yes. You had a bucket and I had one of the little mop things and it was literally like almost two seconds each window. You And then it's sort of like karate kit, wipe on, wipe off. <laughs> but it was cool. I started to I talk to different people about the type of solutions that they were coming up to in terms of how to stop the concrete getting on windows and how yeah. to make sure that all the other stuff wouldn't damage the windows while construction was happening. So it opened the doors up to a lot of really cool things from there, which is great. But again, then it was sort of the next part of my life where I said, yes. I think I'll put down my, my squidgy, maybe explore what I went to uni for, was, which was business and law. I was just basically using that as a segue to Let's talk about the change, right? I think the change I always feel is the hardest thing, right? It's it's hard at the beginning, it's messiest in the middle, and it's the best at the end. You know, I use that as an example for developments, right? It's usually hardest in the at the start, it's messiest in the middle, and it, it gets better when you get the profit. So how did the change happen? Yeah. What was what was the transition? I got to a point where I always knew that I wanted to run my own business and I knew that I wanted it to be in property of some sort and so after about I can't remember maybe about five or six years of being in the corporate space and I knew I was never intended to be there for a long term I made the decision that I would quit and I'm not saying people do this because I look back and I go I should have done it differently quit and I was going to start an online business you know that was the start of the journey but I was still incredibly raw naive and almost stupidly optimistic that I could create this online business, you know, a year or so and then be able to live off the profits of it. I blame I blame books like, not blame, but I'm thankful. I'm grateful for the books like <laughs> The 4-Hour Workweek because that was yes. the thing was like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Tim Ferriss with his 4-Hour Workweek. I'm like, all these people, they're creating this wealth and freedom 
you know, through yeah. running businesses and stuff. That was my first then breaking out of corporate. But again, I won't go into too much detail, but the, the real clincher for me and my real, the biggest transformation for me was, it's a little bit cliche, but was the moment my daughter was born, the moment she was born. Oh. And why I say that was because then I realized I had to be her role model. I had to remove any fear and doubt that I had in myself because I wanted her to be another level person to what I was and to not have to go through, I guess, the struggles, the challenges, the doubts that I have and be able to say, hey, I see mom now and she's confident in what she does. She's a good person that she doesn't run away from things that she's afraid of. I had to be that person for her and my children. As much as I always challenge myself, there were things that were holding me back. Each yeah. time now, if I feel this sense of fear about something or I feel challenged, I'm like, would I be proud of this to say this to my kids. If I'm not going to be proud of what I'm doing, then I've got to really look at myself and going, have I stepped up? I know it sounds like cliche because as parents, you know, you hear this all the time. You're like, my children have changed my world and everything. And I guess it's true when you're doing it for someone else, not just yourself, because you sort of go with it yourself. You can sort of almost take it a little bit easy. But when you've got someone that's keeping you accountable in some way, then you've got a focus that's outside of you that's going to keep sure. you going and so look i strongly believe that kids are the big biggest catalyst in a person's life i mm -hmm. do also believe that when you talk about life i look at life as almost a sewer <laughs> you get out of it exactly what you put into it right so it has to be exactly that and so my next question or you know taking away from this is so how did the transition happen from you being who you were the kid is born now you have gone mm. from mediocre investing to high net worth investing what were the changes what were you doing differently now the biggest change was just believing because i always thought when i when i started investing it was the mindset and, and i guess it comes down to the education like i always thought i wasn't educated enough in that sense like i was just learning in my i was learning in, in in my property property journey, I just thought income, serviceability, might be able to do a duplex type thing. And then I always thought I can only earn this much. I always had a ceiling, if you know what I mean. So I always doubted my ability to sort of go, I don't have enough. I didn't look for solutions outside of that. It was only when, and then the other thing was because I had this self-doubt, I was also afraid to ask for help. I'd asked for help from people that were experts, but like I felt like if I went to someone who was experienced, they would judge me and or wouldn't share information with me, particularly in the property space. And so for a lot of years, I felt, oh, I was sort of stuck. It was a bit of a transition and, and stuff had happened where I just went, you know what? If I'm feeling this way, I'm sure there are lots of other people who feel a bit lost. And that's when I took over the Facebook groups, uh, build a community of property developers to be able to say, hey, let's share information. That was when I realized like I'm only limited by here what's in my mind. I've just got to be able to yeah. find the solutions and to be able to be creative and be able to ask others to get to the answers that I want. Definitely. And so that was the big thing where Definitely. I just went, I don't necessarily need to rely on serviceability. There's always going to be something. There's some way, somehow we're going to make it happen. Has there been any unsuccessful ventures or ventures that you've gone in and thought about, okay, I'm going to go down this route, but nothing went as planned, and, you know, everything. 
absolutely. There's always going to be ones that sort of, you know, uh, don't go too well. But, you know, if they all go smoothly all the time, how do we learn? There definitely has been. There's in business and projects. I mean, even the projects now, I'm sure with you, Moss, you come up with something and you're like, oh my goodness, can there not be a day where there's like nothing that screws up? (laughs) Right. Um, It's all around and I look at it being it's the universe or it's God's way of saying, this is how I'm just making you stronger. Yeah. This is how I'm yeah. making you, you know, ready for the next the next challenge. And so is there any one in specific that you would want to really talk about that really didn't go as planned and you know you just savaged yourself out from it or saved yourself out from it? I would say it was that that one business where I quit my corporate job, a good paying job. <laughs> to start an online business. What was that online business? That online business was called Task Runners. It was at the time and the whole idea was to engage people who were in our community to be able to help people, you know, their neighbors or whoever who couldn't get, who couldn't do things with people who in the community could do things. So I was thinking of like students, retirees, all of that. A lot of you will be familiar with the business Air Tasker. Air Tasker, <laughs> yes. Airtasker and Task Runners sort of came out at a very, very similar time. Airtasker had, I had no idea about venture capital. I had no idea around or an offering or whichever. They had about two, $2 million more of venture capital than I did. What I thought was that I always needed to put in sweat equity, put in sweat equity. And yep. we drained a whole lot of our savings. And basically did everything ourselves. And so right idea, but wrong timing, basically. Right idea. And I said, not the best execution because again, like I realize now the benefit of investment capital and the benefit of planning and really understanding what you're trying to put together and leveraging other people's skills as well. Not feeling that you need to do everything yourself and be able to say, hi, how can we, how can I, if I've got someone who's been successful in launching a similar thing, how can you be an equity, you know, an equity owner in that? Or, or whichever. So that was a big learning from that aspect. And I had to close that down because at the same time, like that business was launched two, two weeks before my daughter was born. So the real wow. baby, Brave. the real baby took a lot more focus than the online baby. Yes. 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 And so would you say that that was your biggest failure and, you know, those were the learnings that you achieved? From doing that or were because naturally what tends to happen is that you know people shy away from failure right you go through a failure and you feel you you give into the fear and i always say this fear is the fuel that provides power and so the truth usually sets yourself free and so how do you come out of these failures if you're not resilient enough or if you have experienced such a big failure in life how do you come out and then crawl back out and say hey let's fight again let's put the boxing gloves on and you know let's go back in the ring the first bit is to look at that situation and recognize that i know we use the word failure but i don't think i've ever thought of it as a failure I think that's the first point is to be able to say it was just a learning and recognize that every journey has a lesson and what can I pick out of that? Because, you know, I have people that I've met from that journey that are still friends with me now and that actually that are still doing that I'm doing business with. And this is over 12 years ago. So I look at that and go, that's an incredible win. And that's an incredible, incredible win. 
And I go, what are the things that I learned in that process that I can do differently now in my other businesses? You're absolutely right. I mean, there is a point where you sort of, you know, you can choose. I think it's a choice. Everyone has a choice to, to deal with things one way or another. So you can either choose, yeah. like something happens. I say this to, to my kids, right? You can choose to either focus on the good or you can focus on what you think you don't have. And so if you think about this, what would you say would be a single most thing that is most misunderstood by you? And like, there is a no right or wrong answer to this, of course, right? It's almost impossible to please everyone, right? Uh, it's almost impossible to be not misunderstood in certain scenarios. I always say this, that, you know, you don't run an ice cream shop to keep everyone happy, but there would be things that you would, you know, annoy the hell out of you that people really misunderstand you about. And, well, this is not me, actually, you know, this is what I'm all about. So, yeah. Yeah. As in general, what people might not really know about me, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That I'm super, super nice. <laughs> and you're I not give super, super nice, is that what you're saying? I, no, 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 I'm nice to the point that I give into everything, that sure. I'm soft. I think that's the thing. I mean, not, not so much that you're not, you can't be nice. What's the, that was the saying, the nice girls come last or something like that. I used to be afraid of being the nice person and I thought I had to please everyone for a long time. And I think people, because of my personality, also feel that potentially they can take advantage of it or that I'm a pushover, which maybe I was previously. But again, through the growth, I've been able to balance that a lot better now. Amazing. And be able to stand, stand my ground. And, and it comes back to that confidence of the, you recognizing that you are enough that to trust in your own ability and to to recognize that you have your strengths. So yeah, that's been like some I, I think I've I've been in a meeting where I many years ago I have someone confront me about things and I would almost like back off. I wouldn't say anything. I would I'd be a mumbling mess. But these days I will just hold my ground, be very respectful. I don't overreact. Yeah. I don't get emotional and I just can talk, you know, barely, what's it called, with, with a level of authority and confidence of what, what I know and what I can add to the conversation. Great. I think we've been talking about failures and a lot of failures and we've been talking about important lessons that you've learned on the career. What about that one thing that you would always want to be remembered for? What do you think that would be? Oh, this is when like you have to think about when you pass on what people remember you for. Well, what's, what's your legacy? Is it Growth Hub? Is it your kids? Is it your portfolio? Is that something that is close to the heart that no one knows of? What I would like is that I want people to, I guess, be inspired. It, to, to a certain extent, have had an impact on people so that they were able to step into their greatest self. In some way, I sparked that journey. And I don't have to be in the whole part of that journey just to be able to say, Cheryl was something, she, there was something she said or something she did that we did together or she did for me that really was a catalyst for my change or my growth. That I would Amazing. say would be, be what I'd like to be remembered for. Amazing. That's very good. And uh, if one piece of advice that would that you would give to your own self, an 18-year-old Cheryl? Oh my goodness. <laughs> 18-year-old Cheryl. Well, it's only two years ago. Yeah, it was only it was only three years ago. Okay, we, we won't get to <laughs> There you go. Only three three years ago. You are so capable of anything and everything 
that you ever wanted. And you may not realize it now, but you have it all in you. Amazing. Amazing. And like, is this message to everyone? And this is more resonating to what we were talking before about, you know, how you broke out of your shell, how you found your own voice, how you are not that same person anymore that someone would have met you probably, you know, even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? And you taking that journey from where you were in the high school to where you are. And I strongly believe that mentors play a big role in all of this, right? And I have great mentors that I always look up to when I'm talking about these things. And one of the mentors once said to me that when, and of course, when life gives you lemon, make lemonades, but he added an extra bit to it. He said, find someone whose life has given vodka to them and have an awesome party. So yeah. What, yeah. who are yeah. you? Who does Cheryl look up to? I look at it now. And, and previously I used to think, like I said, you know, I had, I had this mindset around if, and it was a little bit warped, right? Because I would be like, I look at all these people and their success and I didn't know how to really gel with them. And then I look at it now, there are so many people in my life, including you, including you know, I meet so many people. I'm so blessed. And if there's, I can't put my finger on that one person because every single person has their own spark, every single person. So I, it, the most influential people would be, I'm trying to think of names in particular. I would say one would be my mother. Not so much because she encouraged me or was complimentary on me. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a cultural thing. You don't say nice things to your children. <laughs> But yeah. where I see her, she's influential to me because a large part of my growth was also around wanting to, to be a different person. And she's always been there in, in some way or form. She's always been there and has shown her love in the way that she knew best. Is it a different sort of parenting that I do for my children now? Absolutely. But the fact is at the core of it, she always did what she felt was it came from a place of love and it came from a place of wanting to do the best that she knew how to. So I'd say that's been a big influence for me because I look at it and go, you know, the decisions that I make, do I have the information to make the best decision or the best decision that I know how to? And does it come from a place of love? So that's one, my mom. Number two is in terms of influential, I say a lot of like the spiritual, I don't say coaches, but the, the spiritual guides and leaders, I'd say people like the Joe Dispensers, the, the Sun Gurus, the people there from a spiritual perspective, I'd say even Bob Proctor, uh -huh. that really helped me recognize that I didn't need to control every single aspect of my life that it was okay to put things out to the universe and to have trust that in some way or form, it will come together. I used to get so stressed out about stuff. I'd say, yeah, I'd say, I used to get so stressed out about things. I'd freak out about stuff. I'm rushing everywhere and everything. And these days I'm like, honestly, so much more chilled yeah. because I'm like, my life's in the universe's hands. I'm not religious, but I'm incredibly spiritual in that sense. Amazing. And then the third, the third's hard because I'm like, third is every single person that I've been connected with. You know, it will well, be you. Have you have to come up with a name. Yeah. It has, I, to, I, it has I, to be a name. It has I to be a name. It cannot name. be generic. Yeah, you have to come up with a name. It, <gasps> look, there are, there are mentors who ne you would never discount, right? They are there for the sole purpose of providing a turning point in your life. And yes. so, of course, you know, your learning experience is such that you would absorb from everyone, you know, be a sponge. You know, my yeah. dad used to always say, yeah. be a sponge, you know, just absorb yes. every good thing, yes. you know. 
I, I would say if I mean, the name that comes to mind, and most sorry to interrupt there is I, I can't help but say like someone like Oprah Winfrey and she incredibly, incredibly influential person. But likewise, someone who's incredibly successful, she's come from a background which you wouldn't say is she didn't grow up with a silver spoon in her, in her mouth sort of thing, but she has created and built this empire which from a material perspective it's very you know it's incredibly successful but from a connecting to people that's the big part which I love about Oprah Winfrey because it doesn't matter if you're someone who is broke or homeless or whatever like she seems to have this ability to connect to everyone. And I would say yes. that would be the one, yes. the, the one virtue and, and the one characteristic that, that Oprah has that I aspire to also have. That it doesn't matter who you are. You might be a multi-billionaire or the person who's still struggling to feed themselves. I, I find that Oprah has that ability to connect from that aspect. 100%. 100%. I strongly believe that when you talk to influential people in life, there are two things that they're doing really, really well. Uh, they're managing their relationships better and they're managing their finances better. Okay, And so I always feel that life is all about relationships and finances. And so you look at any decisions that you want to make in life. If you manage the relationship and the finances the right way, you would excel. We talk about developments all the time. I was talking to someone just before we jumped on the podcast and we were talking about this development project. And I said, well, take a step back. You're talking to people. So manage relationships and finances. Everything would just find its own way. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's so important that you mention the same thing that, you know, you talk about Oprah. Oprah is that one person that you would look at and, you know, and feel connected to. She is the one who is an epitome of relationships, right? Yeah. She does the communication so well. She communicates her messages so well. All she talks about is how to manage your relationships with everyone in life. And so I can totally understand and appreciate as to where, why would she sit, be such an, a, a high, higher person in your influential journey? So, yeah. Yeah. And I said, it's not just about the financial success right she has this mindset of abundance that the fact that yeah of course she's got you know she's she's worth a lot of money but she's also giving that back she's contributing to society in some way she's got really strong views on things to have an impact on the community so it's it's those sorts of things where i go wow you know we are all made of the same stuff and that the only difference yes, between yes. you and i and her is really what sits in here to be able to go can yes. we excel and get to that point and that's the part where i go okay yeah th- that's someone where i i got to learn from that and be able to get to that point yes i think it's an interesting comment that you make about success um, i was watching a documentary the other day and one sentence that i took out of that documentary is of course people associate success with money and success as to monetary financial gains. Success in your own personal space is all about how many people you are helping, how many lives you are influencing. Well, that's what it Mm. really is, right? The Mm. money is a byproduct of you charging for that service or you're not charging for that service. And so that's the difference between the good and a business decision, right? You know, you think about it, you're in this world solving problems and that's all you're doing. And so some people start charging money for solving problems and that's the business model, right? Yeah, it's what it is. And there's no shame around that because money at the end of the day is energy. And it's just a certain energy that's being passed around trading in 100%, some way or form. 100%, 100%. And so, of course, one thing that I always think about is, of course, you know, everyone loves you and there is a lot of people that you connect to, but there are people that you rough feathers with. 
right? And so this is an interesting yeah. question about what would be the title of the book if your worst enemy wrote it? I have no enemies, Moss. <laughs> I like to think I don't have enemies. What would be the title of the book? That your worst enemy wrote about you. I would say maybe not an enemy, but someone that would whinge, whinge about who me. dislikes you. Is, maybe let's tone it down. Maybe let's tone it down. Yeah, this like this dislikes me. She doesn't. That's <laughs> uh, she doesn't answer my emails <laughs> or something. <laughs> or she took two weeks to answer my emails. I've tried to ring. You know, I had five missed calls or something like that. That would probably be the main the main one. Sure. The title of the book, Your Worst Enemy. Yeah, I just couldn't get you. Oh, maybe it'll be called The Dial Tone. The Dial Tone, yeah. <laughs> or go straight to voicemail, yes. something like that. <laughs> I like it when you send an email to Cheryl Leong and you get this automated reply back saying, hey, your email is important to me, but you know, I have specific times I check my email, so please don't be offended if I don't respond to you yeah. directly. And be like, that's such an awesome way to put it nicely that, Hey, and I, and I, I don't think I actually not that say important right now. I, don't, I think I don't. I, I say something about me having a goldfish to have traits like a goldfish. Like I get distracted by emails, so I'm like, there's a specific time that I read my emails, unless it's absolutely like the world is falling or whichever. Right? I do give people the exits. I've got three things that say. If it's in regards to accounts or whatever, or it's in regards to your virtual champion, you can address these are the three people to go to. But if none of these help, are able to help you, then please yeah. wait for my response. <laughs> no, 100%. I think it's an awesome hack. And so coming to the next question, what is your favorite productivity hack? You know, you are the process queen. And so oh, what is delegation. one thing that you would leave the listeners with? I let go of stuff, like really let go of stuff. And if, what that means in letting go is that you either look at what your strengths and your weaknesses are and let go of the things you either don't like, you're not great at, or you just don't want to do and outsource that or delegate it to someone else. Because the more that you're spending time doing that sort of stuff, it's less of your time being able to do the visionary things, the superpowers that you have. So that's my, my favorite productivity hack is to let go and delegate. And so for people who are control freaks like me, how do you transition to delegating? I guess the thing is to recognize like are you spending time doing the things that you really want to do that really needs your input on are you the best person to be able to do that and also recognize that you know it doesn't need to be a hundred percent like even if it's 80 percent or 90 percent and then someone else is doing it that removes you from being the person that needs to do that because yes at the end of the day we've all got the same amount of time in our day you sort of go and then it's about prioritizing it's not about being busy it's about you know how do you prioritize what needs to be done and so then it comes down to how much time do I want to spend prioritizing work or family or whatever and if it starts to get in the way of things that mean something to you then something's gotta you've got to have a real sit down and go if I want to have control do I have control over my life now if I'm taking control over the things that I shouldn't does that make sense yeah 100%. Yes, definitely. I think one of the things that I practice quite efficiently was a three-day rule for things that I don't like. And so I'll park it and I wouldn't touch it for three days and someone within the company, within the organization would pick it up and get it done. And so I'll come back to it in three days and be like, oh, do you still need me? And people be like, oh no, this is done. Be like, yeah, sweet. You know, this is awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, see, that's like with my emails, right? I come back to yeah. it in five days. If it's, you know, generally my amazing, extraordinary assistants responded to it. And if not, then I'm like, damn, I've got to respond to it. Perfect. That sounds very good. That sounds very good. And finally, where can our listeners find you, Cheryl? Of course, the PDA community is there or Property Development Australia community is there, but where can the listeners really find you? Yeah, sure. So yeah, Property Development Australia is our, our Facebook group and community. I am fairly active on, on Facebook, LinkedIn, got a YouTube channel for Cheryl Leong. Look it up there. I do lots of interviews with developers and people in the development space. Moss has been a guest in, in one of those. And if you want to reach out to me, Cheryl at thegrowthhub.io is probably the best. Heads up, you might get my out of office <laughs> email. So I don't really respond incredibly quick on emails, let's just say. No, I think Cheryl, you're awesome. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing such a powerful no, story. I, thank you for thank you. being resilient and being the person that you want other people to be. So it's amazing to have you on the show. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully listeners and learners took a lot out of this. And I'm sure that there would be a flood of people coming after you, Cheryl, asking you more stuff about how do you do this? How do you manage 10,000 things at one time? So It's been an absolute pleasure, Moss. I'm so thankful and grateful for being here and, and sharing, sharing my story. And if it inspires or motivates anyone, that's cool, you know, And but feel free to reach out. I love meeting new people. And I love connecting with new people as well. So thank you. Awesome. And that is it from us. Have a great day. Keep smiling, keep laughing, keep investing. This is ADOS 